All right, so our guest today is a football player coming to us from the beautiful province of British Columbia. Played four seasons at the University of Connecticut with the Huskies. Played his final year of eligibility at UBC. Has biceps the size of tree trunks. And if you listened in on last episode, we knocked the Hamilton Tiger Cats for not drafting our boy Mike. But they bounced back with this pick, selected 24th overall in the 2019 CFL draft. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Sheridan Lolly. Uh, hey, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> doing good. Good, how are you good. doing? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Can you can you confirm um, that your biceps are the size of tree trunks? I'll be honest, I haven't measured them. Um, and I don't know if I ever will, but I'll just I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll start referencing them from that from now on. Yeah, Maybe Stefano will come and measure them. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I need, need confirmation. No, there was this one picture of you. Definitely creeped your Instagram before we had this chat. Um, and they were just huge, man. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Genetics. I got to thank my parents. <laughs> are your uh, are your parents pretty uh, pretty big uh, people? No. I so mean, the like, funny thing and... is, no. So the funny thing is, is like I'm just under six five, two ninety five, and um, most of the time. I'm, People are like, yo, your parents must be monsters. And my mom is probably five foot four, maybe five foot five, so normal height. And then my dad is five nine, maybe five ten. He he's five nine at best. So, <laughs> on a good day. Yeah, on a good day. He might have been five ten back in the day, but he's five nine now. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of funny when you see the the juxtaposition between me and my parents, right? Oh, for sure. Do you uh, do you have any siblings that are that kind of take uh, from your side or? Yeah, so I'm the youngest of four. Um, I have two older brothers and a sister, and they're about six three and six one. And then my sister's five seven, maybe. So all of them are relatively taller. Um, I'm the tallest. Oh, it must be something <laughs> in the water in BC. There's definitely something out there. Yeah, they save the best for last. <laughs> Sheridan, I will. I will have to agree. I'm. I'm also the youngest of the four <laughs> older brothers. So there you go. Best for last is always the way it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> did uh, did any of your siblings play sports growing up or at a get to a high level that kind of helped push you a little bit as well? Um, so there, I'm three to four years. They were all one year after another. But um, so when they were younger, they they were really big into uh, baseball and lacrosse, and that's how I originally started playing sports. Was I kind of followed in their footsteps playing lacrosse, and that was my main sport. That was like my like my first love in, in athletics. And then um, my best friend, his name's Taylor, his dad's from Alabama. So he's big into football. He's, you know, lives and breathes it. And then pretty much every year he just would be like, you've got to play football. He'd tell my parents, you got to play football. This kid's got to play football. And then I finally gave it a shot. Um, and I guess the rest is history. How old were you when you decided to, to put on the pads? I want to say 10 or 11. So I wasn't super young, but I wasn't, it wasn't super late, I'd say. Um, at that point, I had never even really watched football and I didn't even know, like, I remember they were explaining the sport and they were like, yeah, you, there's a whistle and you tackle the guy and then the game stops. And it just sounded so confusing to me because I was like, you know, lacrosse is like this continuous game and soccer is this continuous game. And the first week of practice, I was so bad, like I didn't understand it. And I told my parents that I wanted to quit 
And then my mom was like, you know, you can't quit. You told them you would play. So you got to finish up the season. And if you, if you want to quit at the end of the season, you don't have to continue to play, but you have to uh, tough it out. And that's kind of something that has always stuck with me. You know, um, you, you don't necessarily have to stick with something, but it's, you just got to tough it out. And then, like I said, obviously I picked it up and uh, I'm still playing. I love that. I love the fact that your parents kind of said, you know, do the full season and then we'll talk type thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause I, if it was up to me, I was like, I, I don't want to go back tomorrow. Like I hate, I hate this. <laughs> did you, did you play lacrosse simultaneously or was it just like, okay, after it was football, football, football? No, I continued to play lacrosse and then I probably did both for about three or four years. And then each year that I got, I started to play football and I was getting better at football, the less interested I was in lacrosse until like I was probably about 14. Yeah, 14. And then I kind of decided, you know, football is my passion and this is, this is what I want to dedicate my time to. I still played other sports, but uh, I stopped playing lacrosse. Okay, got you. And then, so is, was it around that same time then? Because you, as we said, you're from BC, but then you ended up moving out to the East coast in the United States and playing football at a prep school out there. How did that come about for you? Yeah. So that was really just random this. Uh, so it was the end of my, or it was around the beginning of my senior year um, in high school in BC. Um, and then so I was kind of going through my uh, offers and originally I was committed to McMaster university in Hamilton actually. Um, and then I was just kind of hesitant. I was like, you know, I feel like I'm good enough to go to division one. It's always been my dream um, to play division one football in the United States. So I kind of talked to my parents and we were thinking about, you know, they have grade 13 in Ontario, but we didn't know anybody in Ontario. And then this guy just, Facebook messages my dad I think on yeah on Facebook or whatever and he's like have you ever heard of like prep schools and we were like what 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 is prep yeah, school <laughs> and they were saying you know you can do like a post grad year and the classes go towards like university classes and then you can also play football for another year and get recruited and I was like wow that sounds sick so we sent my film to a couple of teams and then I had some offers um, I eventually committed to the Lawrenceville school in New Jersey. Um, and that was a crazy experience. Just like the campus is like Hogwarts, like everything. <laughs> it, I, it was just like such an eye opener to like the different experiences and lives that people live, you know, like I by no means am poor, but I was definitely the poorest kid at that school. So. <laughs> And this is the, the culture, was, right? And the, everything that surrounds football, the, the hype, the, the basically the religion around it. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, and just to, just to be able to play in the United States and kind of realize that you're good enough, right? Because a, a lot of the times being a Canadian football player, there's that kind of stigma. Well, you know, you're, you're playing weaker competition. You're Canadian. It's an American sport. But then just to go out there and then compete at a high level, just kind of, you know, it it feels good for yourself. And then it's also good for the country as a whole. Yeah, definitely. So when you moved over there, did you know anyone before going all the way to New Jersey or was it just kind of basically arranged by the school and you were living kind of uh, in, uh, in dorms and stuff like that or how'd that kind of Yeah. Work? I didn't know anybody. Um, I just, they just shipped me out. So they, 
yeah, every, I think 90 or 100% of the students live on dorms. So it's like a, like a small, almost like university is what it felt like. Um, so like you just live in the dorms and they have cafeterias and you take classes and it was super, super interesting, different experience. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anybody that I just was like 17 and I was like, send me to New Jersey. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah, figure it out as I get there, right? Were, were most of the other kids that were there also gunning for that D1 spot or um, yeah, absolutely. What, what was the vibe on the team? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a very competitive uh, program. In general, a lot of the students there are, whether it's football or any other sport, they're typically competing to play Division One sports or, or go to like a very prestigious school and play sports. Um, so it's it, like the entire school, everybody is is at that highest level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that's a great environment to be in too, right? Because then you just kind of feed off of that. Yeah, for sure. It was interesting. It was also interesting because we had Saturday classes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was weird. You'd get like Wednesdays off and then you'd have Saturday classes. <laughs> that's super weird. Oh, was, there wow. like a, was there a reasoning behind that? I think it had something to do with, um, I don't know, maybe having a day off during the middle of the week, like you'd be functioning better. I don't know what the deal was, but I I never really adapted to it very well. Yeah, no, I can imagine. No. And then you have to go to college and then your biggest game or biggest day, your week is game day on Saturdays. That's kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely different. So now you're you're playing at that prep school. Um, when did the interest from I guess UConn or any other university start uh, start trickling in for you? Yeah, so um, I guess at Lawrenceville, originally the I was getting a lot of Division One AA offers. I probably had more than a couple dozen at that point, but I really wanted to play FBS football, not FCS. Yep. Um, and then. It was probably just around the end of the season, maybe after the season, when I got my offer from UConn. And then I remember I was in the airport on my way home. So I think it might have been winter on my way home from winter break. And then my coach called me and he was like, hey, just got off the phone with the coaches and they're going to offer you. And I was like, cool. And then I was like, you know, you probably could have just let them tell me you know ruin the surprise or whatever, but, <laughs> yeah but i was like yeah thank you and then they called like a minute later um but that was that was cool and then uh i had that one and i had central michigan and a few other ones but um yukon was the one that i had first and they were the most interested they had come visit me at my school um at least three or four times so they showed the most interest um so i felt like that was the place where I wanted to be. Was your was your mind made up even before the the visit or anything? Um, no, not necessarily. I did end up committing on the visit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fun visit, but I definitely I wanted to take all my visits before I committed. So I definitely uh, had fun. I went to a couple other schools and had a had a good time. And then, but yeah, ultimately, I I figured I was going to UConn. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Steph. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. I was just gonna. I was just thinking back. I um, I did a unofficial visit at UConn. Um, oh, really? And I just yeah, I just remember like thinking about. I don't know. I don't remember the football stadium, but I remember mm-hmm. like they, you know, they took us, took me and my parents around, and we were checking everything out and it's a it's it's a huge school so it's a yeah. impressive campus and then we got to the hockey rink thinking like you know this will be the pinnacle of the visit and yeah. I remember just being so let down by the hockey rink like <laughs> yeah I think I, mean, it's I think not they're a... building a new one actually okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but uh the football campus the football stadium is is in Hartford actually so it's like 45 minutes away which is the only kind of downfall um because you can't get all the students there that you would like Mm -hmm. they do have like buses or whatever but obviously it's still a bit of a hike so did you guys have a a field to practice at near campus or was everything done over there no our practice so we had an indoor facility and then we also had an outdoor turf Mm -hmm. that was in the stadium or whatever so yeah we just practiced there but then obviously games would be in Rentschler stadium oh cool how was the atmosphere there for it was pretty cool. I mean, especially like there was there was some rough times. I mean, there was some times where you know you're you're counting a lot of empty seats. But then like when we were when we were competitive and we were playing some good games, and it's like there's thirty five thousand people there, and they're and they're all really excited. It's it's a cool it's a cool environment. Amazing. Yeah. Was I I don't maybe this is like a silly question for me who doesn't I mean I watch football and enjoy it mm-hmm. but going from the Canadian game and then switching to the prep school and then having to I guess learn a different style of football how did you adjust to that Well actually um BC plays American rules in high school so we're the only province that does that so it was an easy transition I've been playing this it's actually more of a transition for me playing in the CFL now because the last time I played Canadian football rules, I was probably like ten. Right. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah. there's no um, difference. So so no, how how have, no. you been, how have you been preparing then? Just watching film, um, talking to the coaches, uh, having you know Zoom calls with them. We can't really meet in person, and we can't we can't run drills because obviously we can't have that contact. Um, right. So it's just I guess a lot of film, a lot of method teaching uh just anything you can do really it's kind of obviously unprecedented times right now but you just got to make with what you got right and, and just mm-hmm. talking about the uh, the difference with the uh american rules and, and canadian rules you're basically living that every single play since you did play defensive line and then now as you mentioned we chatted before but they were switching you to, to offensive line um yeah, so has, yeah has that exactly. transition kind of been super uh, super weird for you to, to kind of go through all that, like learning the that yard and then switching positions at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I would say the yard off is more of a transition for me than switching the actual position. You know, it's a, it's a completely different game. Um, there's so much more open space. Um, in the CFO game, it's faster. There's less time in between plays. Um, Learning the new position is a lot of fun. Um, I feel like a student to the game again. You know, I've been playing, I had been playing defensive line for so long that it almost seemed like not necessarily going through the motions, but, you know, at that point, there's not much else that you can learn or that you can try and implement um, to kind of have your set ways. Whereas now I'm playing a new position, it's blank slate, just learning everything new, which is exciting, I feel like. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine how 
rekindles a bit of a flame, right? Because exactly like you said, you're you're learning something completely new, and it kind of gives you that extra boost or that extra interest in in keeping the the, the career alive and and playing a different position. Exactly. I just think it's so crazy. Like, I mean, even when we kind of spoke before, and you're mentioning having to do different changing your training a little bit but like football to play a different sport like that and to have to put on like 80 pounds or just like I mean it's so wild if I think about a sport that I can relate to in hockey if even if I had to go play goalie like I wouldn't really have to change my body composition or or put that kind of stress and so it's it's super impressive that you're able to do that and compete at the highest level doing that. So huge, huge ups to you, Sheridan. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's uh, that's something that I kind of think about, you know, like a lot of, a lot of like other sports, like you said, you can be very similar in like stature and height and frame. Whereas like, if you think about football, there's like a bunch of different games going on in the same game, like a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman are playing a completely different game than uh, a quarterback or a wide receiver in a corner like you're doing completely different things you have the most opposite body compositions there are you know what I mean there's a completely different set of skills that you have to have so I think that's that's one of the cool things about football is no matter what you look like or how tall you are how short you are there's like a position typically like that you could excel at yeah, can, can right. you, um, we were talking the other day about how you did put on like that 40, 50 pounds. Um, yeah. Can you walk us through that that off season, kind of how, uh, first how the coaches approached you and said like, hey, here's kind of what you have to do if you uh, want to excel at this position and then how you went about putting all that weight on in obviously some sort of healthy way um, and how it actually worked for you. So, I mean, I guess I got to give a shout out to uh, my parents for just feeding me. Um, I also got to give uh, a shout out to Domino's because I used to order a medium pan deep dish pizza like before weigh-ins every night. I'd eat like (laughs) uncomfortable. I would like force myself to eat it just to make weight. Um, So those are my two inspirations um, for gaining (laughs) that much weight. It was, I actually gained, so we went home for summer break. So we had about three and a half weeks off. And I put on like 20, 25 pounds in that three weeks. And I came back and like, I, it's not all muscle or whatever, but we get back and first day my coaches call me into their office and they're like, I was like, what is, what is this about? And they're like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and you know, I've never, I've never seen it work out. And I was like, like, what are you talking about? What do you, you haven't even told me what this is about. Mm-hmm. And they're like, talking about steroids and I was like coach like I, I've never done steroids like it's like you don't have to worry about it and he's like oh I'm not I'm not saying you you are and then he continued with his speech and then after we get out they like escorted me to the uh training staff and I had to take a test and obviously <laughs> I passed it but it was like he's pissing dominoes <laughs> exactly right I was just eating and lifting like I was I work out every day like it's something that I really enjoy like once, once I'm done playing football, I'm going to continue to work out. Like that's something that I love to do. So, you know, having unlimited food and a gym membership, you can, you can do that. Right. So. Right. How, how did um, like your actual training regimen change or did it switching positions? Um, I didn't really change too much. I mean, when you're in the weight room, everybody kind of does the same things. You might change a couple of 
smaller exercises to just be position specific. So I guess if you're playing defensive or offensive line, you're going to have to have a lot of uh, hip power because you're exploding out of that uh, stance every single play. So you might do a bit more power cleans. But other than that, it's relatively the same. You know, there's not it's not a secret what it takes to be a good athlete. You know, you just got to be athletic, fast um, and then strong enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just to slide in some academics uh, into yeah. this episode, how did you juggle everything playing at a high caliber uh, NCAA school? Um, how'd you juggle the academics, the training, and even trying to go home, you know, during yeah. breaks and stuff? So, I mean, academically, uh, we they did a good job at UConn of just uh, keeping on guys. Um, your first year is mandatory study hall, so you have to be in the academic center for, I think, at least an hour a day, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, you know, and they they kind of walk you through, like, what classes you need to take, what you need to do in order to graduate on time. Um, I think that's, that's something that I'm not sure about all American schools, but, like, I know UConn did a really good job of because I talked to a lot of my friends who play um, in Canadian football and they were there five or six years and they're still, they still haven't graduated because I don't know if they know how many credits they need or if they're just not yeah. taking enough credits, but um, it's definitely more like rigorous at Connecticut in terms of like course selection. And then that's also another thing is we had to be there in the summers um, to practice and train. So in order to be there, you have to take classes in the summer. So you're usually getting two or three classes done in the summer each year. So that's, you know, 12 classes that you would need to add in the fall or the spring, as opposed to you just take them in the summer, which is something that I know a lot of Canadian schools don't offer, right? Mm Because they're not mandatory to be there in the, in the summer training. Uh, no, for sure. Um, I had mm-hmm. one quick question too about uh, your time at UConn. Um, did you actually go through two head coaches? Yeah, so I was. Uh, yeah, I went through two co- head coaches, um, which isn't nearly as bad as all my friends who played on offense. They went through four offensive coordinators in four years. Oh. So every single year was a new coach, new system, new playbook, which is sounds awful um but yeah i was recruited by bob diaco and then he was there for my my three years and then uh randy edsel came in for the fourth year and then i had transferred after that one so how was the the change there um was that tough on on you i know it's not going through four offensive coordinators uh, Uh, but just having a new head coach for your your senior year basically yeah i think there's always that level of excitement you know of something new, but then there's also that level of uncertainty. You don't know if it's going to be better or worse. Um, I guess I'm partial to the, to the first coaching staff because they were the ones that gave me my offer and they were the ones that gave me my opportunity. Um, there were good and bad times for both teams, but it is what it is. Ultimately, um, I kind of didn't necessarily agree with where the uh, second coaching staff was like headed towards. So that's why I made the uh, transition to, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like transfer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. coming up a couple bad, uh, 
bad seasons too after that. So yeah, so you know. Now transferring over to, to UBC, <laughs> you had one year left, right? Yeah. So was it just kind of I want to go home, play a year, and see where that takes me, or what was the decision? The decision to to go play at uh, at UBC. Yeah. So originally, like like I said, I with the second coaching staff, and to be fair, a lot of coaching staffs do this. So if you like, you're a new coach and you're you're redoing the program right like say for me i was going into my senior year originally if it would have been the old coaching staff i would have been a starting guy right but so for them they want to bring in as many freshmen as they can they want to play the younger guys so they can give them more experience and that way when they're seniors they can play so what they basically do is they kind of scrap all the senior and junior guys and they know that they're going to be bad, but they're hoping that eventually because they're getting reps, getting time playing, they're going to be better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also like a kind of an excuse that you can make why you're not winning games. You can say, oh, like I'm playing a bunch of freshmen. Mm-hmm. Like what else am I supposed to do? So that's that's what like a lot of coaches do, which is like obviously I don't agree with it, but I understand if that's what you're trying to do to keep your job. Um, so yeah, that's why I didn't want to be there. Um, and so like going to UBC – um, I just had a lot of friends, obviously growing up in BC, who played on the team. I guess at that point, I just wanted to be close to home. Um, I figured it would be fun. Um, so yeah, it just, it just seemed. I didn't talk to any other schools. I just figured if I'm going to transfer, I'm just going to go back home, mm-hmm. play at UBC, and then ultimately try and make it into the CFL. And that's what happened. Was there any thought before going to to UBC about the CFL or getting drafted at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, I wanted to play at the highest level, play in the NFL or the CFL. Um, but I just figured like I needed to play football somewhere. Um, and I like being close to home, playing with my friends. At that point, I also wanted to figure out like if I even liked football at that point, just because my four years and especially the last year at UConn had been a grind, right? Like, you know, you're you're not winning as many games as you'd like. Um, it's cold up there. Um, you get this new coaching staff, and then you just kind of get thrown to the side. So it was one of those things where I was like, you know, we'll see how this year goes, and then I'll decide my future with football. And I think it was the best decision for me, just because, like I said, it kind of I kind of found my love for football again. Whereas at UConn, it was more of like a job. Like you know, you're going to school full time you're playing football full time, you know, it's, there's no real time for fun other than, you know, if you win the game. Um, But going to UBC, hanging out with my friends, winning games, having fun playing football was, like I said, it was probably the funnest I had playing football in in a few years. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. What, um, what, what would you say was the biggest change? I mean, aside from you having fun, but like the biggest change between playing NCAA Division One and playing U Sports? I think in terms of playing uh, the actual game. So one of the misconceptions is like, because there's more money behind it and there's more people watching that the level of competition is that much better. Obviously there are guys who are, who are very good. All the guys who are playing D1 are really good. Um, in Canadian football, it's it's interesting because you have you have guys on the team who could be playing Division One football. You have guys on the team who are really good in Canada, and then you have guys who, quite frankly, like shouldn't even be playing football at all. Like 
there's this, this discrepancy between like the top and the bottom whereas in the states you don't kind of have that because there's so much more recruiting and there's so much more like information involved um so that's just one of the things and then obviously in terms of just the facilities right at UConn, we had a hundred million dollar academic slash athletic facility with state of the art, you know, water pools and all that kind of stuff. So that's something that you can't really match in Canada. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was more of like I went from going into like an underground, you know, ice tub to like a empty bathtub with ice filled in it so yeah <laughs> it did this it did the same thing exactly it did the same thing but it was just different for sure i think that's i think it's like super cool though that you say that i mean you you found your love for the game again and like yeah. with it just being purely the game because a hundred million dollars didn't really make a difference for your happiness and love for football when you were there so that's absolutely uh, it, was, yeah, it's cool. it was definitely and that's I wasn't sure if it was just the school or if it was football or or both or whatever. But I'm I'm happy I made that switch because I probably I don't even if I would have stayed at UConn maybe I would have just you know stopped playing football at that point um, just because I would have been sick of it. So I'm happy I right. made that switch. Yeah. Did you Did you finish your degree? Yeah. So I got my communications degree in four in three and a half years at UConn. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, those when you were talking about the summer classes, I was having a bit of a smirk on my face because we would have to do the same thing if we wanted to stay and train in the summertime at the Wisconsin. Oh and yeah. Those are like those are the best times because you yeah I, I, you you kind of feel like a more like a pro. You whatever you take your one or two classes, so you don't have to do that much work during the day, and you can kind of space it out a bit more, and then you just get to train and enjoy this campus that's for like 40,000 students, but there's only like at a maximum 8,000 there or something. So it's kind of like a playground. Yeah, it's like a ghost town, especially like at the beginning, right? And then it's just like, yeah, that's the best part when it's all just you and and your friends just hanging out in the dorms and riding the the scooters around campus and stuff. So yeah, for sure. Exactly. Summer's classic. (laughs) So so you're playing at UBC. did you have an idea that you'd probably get invited to, to the combine or were you still kind of grinding towards that? Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like arrogant, but I just based off of how I felt as a player and just how I competed in the few games that I played, I figured that I would, or at least should have been invited to the national combine. And then yeah, you I, get a shot. Yeah. So I got invited to the national. Um, and then, like I said, three weeks four, three or four weeks before the national uh combine in toronto i tore my pec while i was training yeah it's tough so how do you kind of deal with that injury knowing that you know this is basically the only shot you get to a combine yeah so i mean originally and it, w- it was unfortunate because this was our last year was the first year that they said if you're not competing on the field you can't go so originally I could have gone and done all the interviews with the teams um, and then, you know, just hung out in Toronto for the weekend. Um, but I wasn't allowed to do that. So I, I emailed them, told them the situation. They were like, yeah, like, unfortunately you can't go because of the rules that we just implemented. Wow. So that was unfortunate, but um, it is what it is. Why did they make that rule? Was it yeah. a cost thing or? I, 
I think just because they were getting a lot of the uh, top players were going and they were just doing like one event and then they would just do the um, the interviews. So I guess like they said, because they're flying you out, they're paying for everything. I guess they want to see you participate in everything if they're going to be kind of spending that money. Um, so they said like, if you're not doing everything, then you can't go. So it is what it is. Right. So did you did you kind of just do a phone interviews type thing or? Yeah, so they yeah. they set up this like Skype call with all the teams and they would just go one by one and ask um, questions and then all of them could hear them and then they would just keep going down the line until they said like, I'm good. And then it was probably 30 or 40 minutes. One of the teams, I won't say which one, they had called me the day before to ask me all their questions and they're like, when we get on, we're not going to ask any questions because we don't want them hearing our questions. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, I, I find that yeah. a little weird though to have like a an open interview basically with all the other teams there at the same time. Was it was it kind of weird to okay here's you know here's Hamilton they're gonna ask their questions. Meanwhile, everybody else is listening in, and then your focus shifts to Ottawa, and then Ottawa asks. You know what I mean? Like how is that like a weird situation to be in? Nah, it was fine because I don't think that they weren't like team specific. They were very like generic questions that anybody would okay. ask like oh like how did how did you like your time at UConn or you know what would be your idea of you know if we switch you to offensive line just just kind of questions that every team would have asked anyways yeah so nothing too specific nah yeah. uh, see that's, did they did Hamilton ask you any uh any questions on the defensive playbook at all <laughs> no at least uh Hamilton was at least they were pretty like straightforward. Like they had been recruiting me for a while. Um, and they were kind of like, you know, this is where we see you as, and they would be asking me like, would you make that transition? Cause obviously if you don't want to, then it's not going to work because yep. unless you want to do it, you're not going to do it, which I completely agree. And so I said, yeah, if you guys wanted to switch me over, like I would do it. Whereas other teams would kind of hint at it. They'd be like, you know, like, what would you think of if we possibly hypothetically thought about, you know? So I think most teams had in the back of their mind about switching me, which is funny because that's what coach Neil had said the first day of practice. He was like, they're going to switch your ass to offensive line and you're, you're going to play it. And I was like, I don't think so coach. <laughs> I know more than you do. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I've been doing this a lot longer than you have. Uh, so was there uh, was there one team where the interview like didn't go well at all? We asked one of our uh, our last guests that question, and there was one for him. So was there any one for you? I know it's not the same situation where it's not necessarily uh, more personal questions, but was there was there one team where you were like, yeah, I didn't answer that well at all? Uh, no, to be honest, they all went pretty well. Like I said, that um, the teams that showed interest, um, they had called quite a bit. Um, and they they seemed cool a couple of teams i don't think i talked to like two teams at all which is which is fine i will say that um so after i tore my pec uh which like i said was about three maybe four weeks before the combine my my coach had called me and he said that he's like i just got off the phone with three teams and they took you off their board because because um guys who tear their pecs take steroids Again, this whole steroid thing, like they're like, there's no way, the only way you would, you know, blow your pec is if you were on something because you're pushing too much weight. So apparently from what he said, three teams took me off their board, which is fine. You know what? They, 
well, you just I mean, play harder against mindset. those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's super weird. If, I mean, exactly. If that's the mindset that those coaches are going in with, then I'd probably not want to play for you anyways. Yeah, it, I, and like it, it, I think it's funnier more than it is like, how dare they, you know? Because yeah. I've, I've just been, I've been getting that since like high school, so I just think it's funny. <laughs> so you finished these interviews, uh, and like you said, Hamilton had reached out a couple times. So you had, a, I guess, a good idea that you were, you were going to end up in, in Hamilton. Um, and when the draft came around, were you, were you nervous? Where were you when you got the call? Like, how did that play out for you? Yeah. So. Um, of all the teams, there was two teams that I would say, you know, if I could pick between the two and one of them was Hamilton. So I was really excited about that. Um, I was at home just like with my parents and stuff. And then it was funny because we were watching the draft on TV. And then after I think 20 picks, it's not on, they don't broadcast it or whatever. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go. I went to the bathroom and I come out. And then I don't hear anything. And then I click refresh on the computer. And then all of a sudden it's on like pick 25 and I see my name. So I was like, that's <laughs> how I found out. I was like, Oh guys, by the way, I just got drafted. <laughs> and then they, and then they called me about 30 minutes later. And then I talked to really? the president. Yeah. It was hilarious. Like I, I guess cause after, after the second or like I said, top 20 picks, they just like bang out the picks. Like they get like, less than five minutes i think between picks so like it was just yeah it was the most anticlimactic experience ever i was expecting this like you know you watch on the nfl and they're like the families and they're crying and it's on tv and blah 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 and then it's like oh by the way you know <laughs> you're still drying like your hands from washing them after going to the bathroom <laughs> yeah yeah it was just like yeah. let me click refresh see what's going on and oh there's my name <laughs> so basically like you found out you're going to UConn you just have like a string of these super yeah. big opportunities with like the most mediocre mediocre yeah. uh, delivery absolutely absolutely <laughs> that's hilarious uh, um so I guess you're what, do we get to know who the uh who the other team was or is that uh I don't know I don't want to say you know just in case okay well maybe we can do it off the record later yeah yeah <laughs> um no that's cool so you pack your bags, you head out to Hamilton. Was it your first time over there? Yeah. Oh, well, I did my official visit at McMaster, but I had just been okay. on campus or whatever. Hamilton's yeah. a, you know, super different town. It's, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's... Steel town! Yeah. Everyone, everyone after I got drafted, they were like, the hammer. And I was like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and they're like, it's a real blue-collar town, but... The team, the city loves the team, which is super yeah. cool. Like, of all the teams in the CFL, like, I really think they have the best fans. Like, I go anywhere, and they're just like, off you, wee wee. And I was like, what is, <laughs> what is that? I had to ask. Um, but, yeah, everyone's just super passionate about it here, which is, which is like, my favorite thing about playing for the Ticats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even uh, we, uh, Steph and I worked for the Red Blacks for a bit. Yeah. And uh, every time Hamilton would come to town, they, they were huge games, too, and those the Hamilton fans and the Saskatchewan fans are. I was gonna bars. say those two are top two for sure. Sask is wild. I was in Vegas and I saw two separate groups of people wearing riders shirts, like in the like in the most random like. What are you doing in Vegas wearing a riders shirt? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Was it was it the riders fans or the Ticats fans that would buy the billboards? 
they would like the fans would buy billboards leading up to the to TD Place in Ottawa to be like I think it was the Riders fans, eh, stuff. Probably, yeah. I, yeah, I they, they would buy up these billboards fans. and like put their slogans on them, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you guys are freaking hardcore. It's not a close away game. <laughs> yeah, they live for that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say they they live for that. Yeah, yeah, because we'd sell out every single game, and for those Saskatchewan Riders fans, like they they'd buy out sections, man. Like it was huge. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 cool. Did speaking of crazy fans, did you go to any like of the huge stadiums um, in any of your time with the your UConn time? Yeah, so I would say the two that come to the top of my head where we played in Missouri and that was like 80,000 and this and the away stadium or the way uh sideline is like five feet away from the low section. So you're literally standing right beside these fans who are screaming at you. And it's honestly like pretty funny. Some of the stuff that they're saying, like, I don't remember specifically, <laughs> but like half of the fun of like going to away games and hearing these rowdy fans going after players for whatever reason like these guys are googling people figuring out what their girlfriend's <laughs> names are and these are like 45 year old men who are just hammered oh. um that one was cool and then byu was a really cool stadium just being on like the side of the mountain and then again sold out um super cool experience right yeah that must yeah. be a gorgeous stadium to play at yeah that was cool um, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the coolest experience that we had at our stadium is we beat Houston when they were uh, ranked. They were ranked in the top 10. And then all the state, all the uh, fans like stormed the field. So there's like 35,000 fans like on the the, uh, field with us, which was really cool. Yeah, I watched that game. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Did they they take down a a goalpost when they came on? (laughs) No. Unfortunately, no. I remember, like, I didn't even know that they had stormed it. And then, like, I just, like, smelled, like, alcohol. And I turned around. There's, like, thousands of people, like, in my face. It was the weirdest thing. Like, how did I not hear all these people run down the the stairs? Sheridan starts pulling on the goalpost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. I know, I know this is totally jumping back a lot, but um, when you came in as a freshman, was it already decided that you were going to redshirt or was it kind of like you came into camp and then it was like, you know, the best thing for me right now is to redshirt? Yeah, so I think, uh, I can't remember if we had like a specific conversation or if it was just kind of like insinuated, but it was kind of, I was a little bit undersized for my position. So like, the best thing for me was to redshirt. I didn't think I was going to play. I assumed I was going to redshirt. Um, so it was it was okay. a cool year, you know, just, just eating, practicing, hanging out. Right. What was, what was the hardest? Right. Pardon? I was just going to say, what was the hardest part about being a redshirt player? Um, trying to think. Like, I get like I guess just because when you redshirt you don't um, travel with the team, right? So, you know, there would be like a couple of times where you would be in class and the rest of the team is on a charter somewhere. And then, you know, 
people in your class would be like, aren't you on the team? And I'm like, well, you know, I actually redshirted. So I don't actually go with the team to away game. So I, it, it wasn't that bad because, you know, I was like, I'm a redshirt freshman anyways. So, but I'd say that's probably the, that maybe. Right. Right. It's, it's, I mean, obviously you'd want to be playing in the games, but it's, it's so interesting that that's the answer because I feel like so much of athletics is being around your teammates and just like in that environment yeah. and vibing with them and having a good time. So yeah, you don't want yeah. to miss out, but it is what it is. Every, like everyone's got to do it for the most part. Right. You you just hadn't discovered dominoes yet. So you were. <laughs> <that needed> to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I put those, whoever owned that dominoes, I put their kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a super random question too. Yeah. Um, how is it playing against Army and Navy? Uh, like two schools who have like really unorthodox yeah. styles of play. No, it's actually the worst experience ever. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's to honestly, like... it's honestly, they just like, they cut you on every play and they just throw themselves. And they're never going to get like, nobody calls any holding or like chop blocks. Cause it's like army or whatever, I guess. So they just don't call anything. It's actual like on a football field. And then somebody else said this to me, which like put it into perspective. They were like, these guys are, are nuts. Like they, the best part of their day is going to football practice. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. It, from like six in the morning they're running and like shooting guns and then going to class and then they get to go to football practice whereas like everybody else who plays football is like i have to go to football practice whereas like that thing is their best part of their day and that's how crazy they are yeah they must like their offensive linemen are probably half your size and just really athletic yeah they're like they're i think their biggest one is like 270 maybe 280 and that's like their biggest guy but they're just like <laughs> crazy it was we played we played navy at navy on 9 11 which was crazy they oh, had wow. like the flyover and all the cadets were wearing their like uniforms and they had like a moment of silence um and then yeah it was that was one of the cooler experiences we got to play them on 9 11 and then we played army in uh yankee stadium oh that's, oh, that's cool really cool yeah so we've played a bunch like i've played we played boston college in fenway park my last year um awesome. our bowl game was we played in the tampa bay Rays stadium so we've played in some cool cool spots which is something that you know not a lot of people get to do definitely yeah, no, which sure which was the coolest baseball stadium to play in i think fenway just because you know yeah, the history, and we got to go on the Green Giant, and it's terrible. We got to go under it too. Like they, they take you under, and there's like all these like autographs and like etchings from like like old time Red Sox players wow. and stuff. So it was pretty cool. That's unreal. Yeah, that'd be a huge experience to yeah. It was, to, it was not, cool. not only visit right to actually play like on the field. Yeah, we played on the field, and then we got smacked. <laughs> so, what, uh, what year was that that was my last year okay yeah um wasn't wasn't good so your record in baseball stadiums is is oh and three actually <laughs> <laughs> oh and three that's tough tough <laughs> and one uh what was a bowl game you said 
the bowl game was in uh, St. Petersburg, where uh, Tampa Bay Rays play. And then we lost. We lost to Marshall. I want to say seventeen to nine. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a weird so, score. That's, that's tough. Yeah, it wasn't. It was all defense. Right. But yeah, so zero and three. How was uh, how was prepping for bowl games? It was cool. Um, it was a lot of work. One thing that our coaches did is they took us a couple of days earlier yep. than we were supposed to, just so that they were like, "All right, guys, we know like you want to go and explore the city, like." Here's two days to get it out of your system. Um, and then, like, business as usual. But I'll never forget having the worst hangover our first practice. And it's, like, 32 <laughs> degrees. And it was just the – it was the longest, hardest day of my life. Um, <laughs> and then I mean, uh, – That's, that's bad. like, smack in, in, like, Christmas time and New Year's and all that. Yeah. Right? So it was Christmas, was it was – it was – the hottest recorded December that they had ever had. Like it was 32, 33 on December 25th. We played on the 26th and I still remember we had practiced the day before, obviously going through like walkthrough. So it's Christmas morning and I have practice and they started playing uh, Christmas music. <laughs> I should be opening presents right now. Not so. grinding away. Yeah, but uh, it is what it is. But it was it was a really cool experience. We got to do a lot of cool things. We did like we did a lot of team events. Like we um, helped with uh, I can't remember what it was. Just like a, a food bank and stuff like that. And went to the beach. Went to the movies. Um, cool experience. We stayed in a haunted hotel actually. Ooh, tell us it used, more. It used to it used to be a uh, World War One or World War Two hospital, and then they converted it to a hotel. So like, I didn't, I can't, I didn't personally experience anything, but there was like three or four people on the team who were like, they said they saw something. So I don't know. That's creepy. Yeah, I right. Not get a good night's sleep there. Nah, it was super nice, but uh, super creepy. Did your did your family get to come down at all for the bowl game to watch and hang out with them around Christmas or? Yeah, they uh they flew out and they watched the game and they were nice enough to uh, postpone Christmas until I got home. So my siblings had to wait a couple of days. <laughs> so I, pre- I appreciate. I still that. hold a grudge. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, they're gonna listen to this and be like, "Yeah, this freaking guy every every year." Yeah, every year. No, they can they can wait. <laughs> But then, no, they're nice about it. That's awesome. Did uh, did any of your other siblings end up going to uh, to play sports at a high level? No, uh, they they were really good at sports when they were younger, and then I guess they kind of just they're very like artistic. Um, my sister's really good at uh, drawing, so that's like mm-hmm. something that she likes to do. Um, my other siblings they like to read and you know play video games and stuff like that. So I think um, that's where we're a little bit different. Is just I'm more athletic, whereas they're probably more, you know, artistic. Mm-hmm. So, found so, other yeah. passions to kind of pursue and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if we had to get you to rate your siblings from favorite to, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get that one off the record, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sounds good. We'll Sounds um so where are you living now like do you have like do you go basically back home to bc when you're in the off season and then kind of live with the team 
in Hamilton when you're there or how does that work? So last year I, uh, got a lease, a six month lease with, uh, a couple of guys on the team. Mm-hmm. And that was the worst experience ever because I was just about to ask that. We rented a house. Nightmare stories there. Yeah. And like, so the house was, there was a lot of problems with the house, but it was fine because it was like a five minute walk from the stadium and it was a six month lease. Um, and rent was super cheap. Like between the five of us, it was like for all utilities and everything, it was like less than 500 bucks. Like crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, so it was perfect. Right. But every one of them, and I'm not going to say who, because they're all on the team are the dirtiest. (laughs) people i've ever met in my entire life like i'm not joking one time i went into the bathroom after one of my teammates and his garbage was in the sink like he had thrown his wrappers in the sink like there's not a garbage can six inches from him he was like i'm not like it was wild and i hated it so i'm actually in a one-bedroom apartment by myself <laughs> right now yeah that's actually that lesson yeah i fronted the cost and i was like i could never do this again yeah <laughs> do we get to know what positions these guys play one of them plays running back <laughs> the slim pickings are running back we'll just figure that out. <laughs> yeah i'm sure you could figure it out pretty quickly <laughs> that's too funny so now are you uh are you there year round or so i went home after uh for a couple of months and then i got this place the one one bedroom place in february so i drove out with all my stuff made a little road trip from bc to ontario Jesus. and then i got here and then the whole coronavirus thing came so i went i ended up flying back home for three months and now I'm back um, just hanging out, working out or whatever. So hindsight's 2020, but I probably could have held off for a little bit, uh, a little bit of time. All right. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up soon. A couple more questions for you. Definitely one specific question we, uh, we like to ask um, the people we have on the, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you had five minutes with your freshman self, uh, so your first year at, at UConn, um, what would you have a chat about? You've got five minutes to talk to yourself. What would you kind of go over? What would you tell yourself? Yeah, I would, looking back, I would just say, um, you know, pay pay more attention to your academics, to school. Um, school was something that I didn't really take seriously until my last year. Um, I really didn't like ever read for pleasure before that. And now uh, if you ask any of my friends, like if I'm not, playing sports like I'm reading um so I would say you know that's like a lot of time that you know you're in an institution of learning that I could have spent more productively um I obviously did get my degree and I'm appreciative of that but um if I could go back in time and have the knowledge that I know now I would have probably you know been a little bit more serious on that part and not just football Sometimes it's, I mean, it's definitely a hard balance to have, but when you can find it, it can be super, um, I guess like super, well, it's, it's yeah, super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, yeah. what do you, what are you reading right now? I'm reading, it's called the uh, story of philosophy by Will Durant. And it's essentially just like a synopsis of like all the major philosophers in, you know, Western philosophy between like 
Immanuel Kant and Nietzsche and Spinoza and stuff like that. So that that's what I love philosophy and I love uh, psychology. Those are like my two. Like I could read I I read psychology textbooks for fun because I just find that so interesting. That's super cool. Though. I mean, that's super useful, uh, right? Like it's not like you're just reading yeah, anything. Exactly right. Like I'm I'm starting to read a little bit more literature, but typically it's like stuff that has you know meanings behind it. I guess like. George Orwell or like uh, Dostoevsky or something like that. But typically, like if I'm going to read something, it's like practical, I guess, or like yeah, you you gain knowledge from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One book for our readers to read during their remaining, hopefully, short time in quarantine. What would it be? Hmm. Ah. Uh, so short book that i really like it's like 80 pages you can and it's like super short you could read it in like a couple hours is chop wood and carry water um that was like the first book that i read that kind of got me on my journey to reading um it's 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 a really really good book um just kind of puts things into perspective and then anything by um robert green i guess i'm a big fan of so like um 33 laws of war or like 48 laws of power but his best book that i think is called the laws of human nature and again it's basically just behavioral psychology and all these different um kind of ways in which we interact with people and like how you can kind of like interpret that and pick up how people interact so the laws of human nature by robert green is a really good one as well but it's probably four to five hundred pages so you've got to have a bit of time yeah yeah that's awesome man um are you open to people sliding in your dms (laughs) like how so well at the end of every episode we kind of ask that because we throw in your uh instagram your twitter whatever you feel like giving us out um so we just kind of you know feel the Check what the field looks like, you know, before we step on and see if you're uh, you're open to people sliding in your DMs, man. Just asking you questions or anything else. Yeah, I mean, if you have like any like football related questions or anything like that, um, like I said, I'm somebody who like kind of wants to give back um, in any way possible. So if you have any questions, like if you have book, you know, recommendations or anything like that, feel free. Um, so yeah. Where um where can people follow you? Um, so I recently deleted my Twitter because I'm trying to uh, stay off social media a bit more, um, and I figured that was you know just delete it and that way I can't log back onto it. So really, I'm just on Instagram, um, and it's just at Sheridan Lolly Fifty. I think is my Instagram handle. Cool. We'll put it in the yeah. show notes as well. But yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, um, we would love to have you on again. Uh, super easy guy to talk to and you have great information, awesome life experience. Um, so yeah, man, I definitely want to have you back on at some point. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Um, you guys are doing awesome. I appreciate it so much. Um, yeah, I'll be back on for sure. Cool. Awesome, man. Awesome. We'll Thanks, Sheridan. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Bye.